0: Do you want to just start out by introducing yourself and telling me how many Twitter followers you have?
1: <laughs> I'm Amol Sharma. I'm the media and marketing editor. Oh wait, hold on. Let me check how many Twitter followers I have before we do this because I actually don't even know. Uh...
0: I see it. I see it. I got your Twitter pulled up. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's lower than I than it used to be. <laughs> I mean, it's more
0: than, it's more Twitter followers than I have. So, eight thousand four hundred and twelve.
1: Yeah, that's your number. Yeah. Are you an active Twitter user? Yeah, I am. I'm pretty active. I'm just, you know, promoting our team's work, whatever I see out there that's interesting. I'm pretty engaged.
0: Yeah, well, look, your last tweet, Garden was absolutely electric. Have to imagine the opponent feels that when the momentum starts going the C's way. You're a Celtics
1: fan. Okay, I'm busted. All right, used it for the <laughs> Celtics too. Oh, no. All right. Amal is still using Twitter, but a lot of advertisers these days aren't. Their big business problem is that there's been really an exodus of advertisers from the business that started last year after Elon Musk's takeover, and they really need that money back. They really need those advertisers to come back.
0: Before Elon Musk bought Twitter, advertising made up 90% of the company's business. But his controversial stances on things like content moderation, as well as big layoffs, caused advertisers to jump ship. At one point late last year, Musk said Twitter was losing $4 million a day. So now what does it look like Elon Musk's solution is to that problem? A new CEO. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, May 15th. Coming up on the show, she's nicknamed the Velvet Hammer. Just who is Twitter's incoming CEO? This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M hotels. They're in the tech cities, Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash thejournal. When Elon Musk bought Twitter last year, he fired the CEO and took over the job himself. But a few months later, he said it was only temporary. He tweeted, quote, I will resign as CEO as soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job. Last week, he finally named his replacement. Can you introduce us to Twitter's new CEO?
1: Linda Yaccarino has been the ad chief of NBC universal for over a decade and she is someone who has really deep relationships with advertisers in television it's all human relationships it's about you know lunches and dinners and knowing who your clients are your advertisers well and she just gets really high marks across the board for maintaining those relationships over years knowing people Knowing the, the buttons to press to, to keep those relationships active.
0: Yacarino oversaw NBC Universal's ad sales at a tough time for the TV industry, as people were cutting
1: their cable subscriptions and moving to streaming. You had to convince advertisers to put money into a medium that were there was pressure on on viewership and ratings, and the way to keep making money, a lot of money, was to just show up every year and say, I'd like to raise prices, which is what all TV ad salespeople have done. But she was very good at it. So she got a lot of kudos from her colleagues and from advertisers for being able to close some tough deals in this environment.
0: Her style as a hard-nosed but friendly negotiator earned her a nickname, the Velvet Hammer. What do we know about how Elon Musk and her started talking about this job?
1: It's a little bit foggy, but we do know that last year when advertisers started to bolt from Twitter in a big way, and I mean, this was an avalanche, it was like one after another. It was just a deluge of just brands leaving, some of them publicly, some of them not. And so what we understand is that Yakarino reached out to Musk and his team as sort of offering her help, offering to navigate Madison Avenue a little bit, offering to give advice. And that was a really crucial moment. So I think she started to establish those ties then. And then last month, Yakarino interviewed Musk
0: on stage at a marketing conference. Right? Hello, I hello. think that's a round of applause. Hello? <laughs> they talked about everything from his troubled relationship with advertisers to the current state of Twitter. It's entertaining.
1: So, I think entertaining
0: um, is one you know, way some people in the room describe
1: Twitter today. it is. It is I, I train wrecks that. arguably are entertaining. <laughs> train wreck's it was definitely noticed that they had this event. It was people were starting to pay attention to the fact that they, they, they seemed to have a good rapport, especially on the issues of free speech. You like, because eventually, somebody's not going to like what
0: you say, and they're going to shut you up. And that's the, that's the essence of free speech, and that's why it's the First Amendment in this country. And if we lose that, I think we lose the bedrock of democracy.
1: So the bedrock of democracy,
0: I would imagine, is important to everyone in this room. And you talk- so it sounds like they, they share sort of a similar worldview when it comes to free speech on the platform.
1: Yeah, they do. From what we've seen of Iaccarino, she does support his ideas about being a little bit lighter-handed on the platform towards these questions of free speech, or at least having a a similar position that free speech needs to be upheld very aggressively and maybe even in uncomfortable situations. Why would Yacarino want to leave NBC? Well, Yaccarino has had a successful career at NBC, but she's also been trying to get more responsibility in that company for years. But whenever big shakeups happened and there were huge elevations of different top lieutenants in the company in the past few years, she seemed to not get those roles. And that was frustrating from what we've learned from people inside the company. And so she wanted a bigger job. This is it.
0: Were you surprised when you heard that it was Yacarino?
1: Not at all. I don't think any of us were surprised. You could just look at their business and what they need, what they lack, what Elon Musk himself needs in terms of a skill set in that business. And it was pretty obvious you needed somebody who was a great ad salesperson. So it made a lot of sense.
0: Yacarino has finally landed a CEO job. But she's got a long to-do list. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more. In the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com.
0: So when Elon Musk announced that Linda Yaccarino was going to be taking the CEO job. He also indicated that he was going to be sticking around and that he wasn't really going to be leaving the company. Can you talk about how their roles are going to interact with one another?
1: Yeah, Musk has talked about how even when he brings in a CEO, he'd probably still have a big hand in product, and engineering. And so I think, though he hasn't been very explicit so far about how this pairing will work, you could probably expect that she is gonna be handling the revenue side, obviously the advertising, but product and engineering would be his areas, and she'd focus more on revenue. It seems like sort of a difficult position
0: for her to be in though, because he owns the company, and so in that way, he's still technically her boss, but then she's the CEO, and so she's also his boss.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna think of it like she's his boss. I think that's probably not likely. But, you know, there have been all kinds of strange ways to run big companies, not strange, but just unique pairings and setups, co-CEOs or executive chairmen who are very active and then a CEO who they work with. And so I think it can work. It depends on how much Elon Musk can really delegate and stay in his own lane and let her do her thing. I mean, some of what we've heard from advertisers is that it's Elon personally, that is a problem for them. It's not Twitter as a business or or anything like that. They just kind of don't trust him being the person in charge and the person kind of making the sales pitch to them. So if he's wise to that, he'll kind of back up and let her take the lead. So Twitter has seen this
0: advertising exodus. And as you say, some advertisers are are concerned about Musk himself, so, how is Yacarino planning to bring advertisers back?
1: It's tricky. There's no easy answer. I mean, they've tried a lot already. They've offered these steep discounts or, you know, offering to match ad time for them, so basically giving them free ads. Some big advertisers have come back to Twitter in the past few months, but many are still on the sidelines. I think, honestly, some of it is just going to have to be giving advertisers tools to say, hey, I I really wanna make sure my ad doesn't go next to something super controversial or political. I wanna make sure that it, if it runs on Twitter, it's not next to that stuff. And she's gonna have to give confidence that the tools they have can do that and maybe develop better ones to do that. That's a starting point. Advertisers don't like controversy,
0: but controversial stuff happens all the time on Twitter, especially under Musk. Like last week, when conservative TV host Tucker Carlson announced that he's moving his show to Twitter.
1: Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. We bring some other things too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. This is exactly the kind of development that she's gonna have to be prepared for as CEO, where out of the blue, you have one of the most controversial personalities in cable news saying, I'm coming to Twitter He was basically one of the main people in Fox News' lineup responsible for chasing away blue-chip brand advertisers from their primetime lineup. Now he goes to Twitter. She's going to inherit that question. Okay, what happens? Does that work against me? I'm here trying to pitch all these people to come back, and now I have to explain to them, you know, are they going to have to worry about their stuff being near Tucker Carlson? So it's challenging. Yeah, Karina knows exactly how risky it can be for
0: brands to advertise on social media. She pointed it out for years while selling ads for NBC.
1: She's been critical of, really, a lot of tech companies. Uh, in the past few years, she's been one of the most vocal people on Madison Avenue saying, it's not really safe to advertise on tech. Your ads can show up next to hate speech or next to other, you know, objectionable stuff. And And actually, TV is much safer, and that's why you should advertise on TV. It was sort of embedded in her pitch that tech is less safe. And so now she's hopping the fence to the other side and has to basically make the counter-argument of why those ad dollars going to TV are actually better over here. How difficult is it going to be for her to repair these
0: relationships and get advertisers to come back?
1: Well, so far in just speaking to, to advertisers in the early going, I think there, there's a lot of people that are willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think you'll see that early on people will be willing to do business with her. I mean, I don't think that that will fix everything at the company. But I do think that you know, there'll be a honeymoon where people are willing to people who've known her for years, done deals with her for years are going to be willing to engage.
0: So not only does Twitter have an advertising problem, it also in a lot of ways has a morale problem because Elon Musk has laid off so many workers there and there's all these stories about kind of the internal chaos going on. What do we know about the challenge that she might be facing there and how she might address that?
1: I mean, she's been in a company that has gone through downsizing and restructuring numerous times. And so she has experience in, you know, how to handle... These tough management situations, but nothing like what she's getting into. I mean, Elon Musk, after taking over the company, laid off thousands of people. I mean, pretty quickly. And that, that spooked a lot of people, including advertisers, like, is this place going to keep running? And there was a lasting morale effect there. So, a new CEO coming in, I think, is going to have to convey some sense of stability. One of the things that Elon
0: Musk has talked about since taking over Twitter is that he wants to make the platform less reliant on advertising and he wants to move more towards subscriptions with this Twitter blue product that he's been selling. So what does it say about the state of Twitter that he's choosing to hire a CEO with all this advertising experience?
1: It's interesting. She is great at selling ads, but for him to be successful, she's going to have to be great at doing other things and generating revenue in other ways. And, you know, Elon Musk's own business plan as he's laid out periodically and, you know, it's not in great detail, but the things he's told us are that he wants to have less than maybe half of revenue from advertising. Eventually, he wants to maybe have a payments business. Maybe there'll be commerce. These are all the ideas that he's thrown out there. None of this is really advertising. So if she's going to be successful, even beyond Twitter Blue and, you know, the $8 a month subscriptions they're already doing, they probably need to do a lot of other things or change the fundamental nature of the business to be less reliant on advertising. That would be new terrain for her, for Linda Iaccarino as well.
0: How much room for error does Iaccarino have?
1: There's really almost no room for error here. If you just look at the financial position of the company the deal was financed partly by 13 billion dollars in debt musk has talked about wanting to break even this year but that's all predicated on a lot of things going right and a lot of advertisers coming back and a lot of business plans panning out so i don't really think there is a lot of margin for error
0: That's all for today, Monday, May 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Suzanne Vernica, Tim Higgins, Patience Hagen, and Alexa Kors. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.